may it never grow old when we see people baptized and, and saved. I pray. I pray that it stirs your heart. Because this is what it's all about, church family. I see Gerard and I see this group of men down here. I see God's incredible power. He's able to save the least of these. And I'm just grateful that we get to be a part of God's redemption story here on earth. I didn't plan on starting out that way, so I am so sorry. (laughs) But I just want to thank John Adams for stepping in today. Can we just show him how much we love him? I'm so grateful for him, and I know he's kind of a familiar face to a lot of us here at Orlando Baptist, but I'm so thankful wherever you are, John, for leading us in worship. We appreciate you, and and we love you so much. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'm just going to get right into it. If we can get to Psalm 121, just turn your Bibles to Psalm 121. This is a very special psalm. Psalm 121 is a part of a string of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And these are psalms that Jewish pilgrims or Jewish travelers would have read and sung on their way to the feasts in Jerusalem. There's 15 Psalms of Ascent, and so this one's right near the beginning. You know, oftentimes in worship, I I do what is called a call and response, where I'll read a verse, and, and then I'll have you read a verse, you know. And this is very much what they would have done with this psalm. They, the head of the household would have read Psalm 1 and 2, and then their families would have read Psalm 3 and 4, and on and on it went. But this is one of those psalms, church family, that you need to memorize. This is one of those psalms that you need to hide in your heart. So let us just get into the Word of God this morning. I want to remind you, church, this is the inerrant, infallible, authoritative, sufficient breath of God. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you yet again for the privilege to call the creator of all things Father because of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we desperately need your help this morning. So by your spirit, Lord, open up our eyes so that we might see the wondrous things that, are, is, that is in your word. Lord, give us ears to hear your word, Lord, so that it would penetrate our hearts and ultimately engage our hands. What we know not this morning, Lord, teach us. What we are not this morning, Lord, make us. And what we have not this morning, Lord, give us. Your word, it is truth. 
So I just pray, sanctify us, Lord, by your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. I think if we're all honest this morning, we could say we all need help. I know the guys are saying amen, but they're the ones that have a hard time with this oftentimes, right? But if we can all be honest before the Lord, we can admit that we all need help. And some of you guys are nudging your spouse or your friend, but I'm talking to you. You need help. The reality is, is that even if you're in a place in your life where you're okay right now, there has been a time in your life where you needed help. You know, there's an old Beatles song that went this way. I don't know if y'all remember it. It says, I get by with a little help from my friends. Y'all remember that? I'm not going to say the second line. I think it's inappropriate for church. But so I get by with a little help from my friends. The commercial for the Lifeline product carries this tagline. Y'all might know this one. Help. I've fallen and I can't get up. That might hit too close to home for some of us this morning. But the question this psalm poses this morning is this. Where do you go when you need help? Where do you go when you need help? Do you call on family? Do you call on your friends? Where do you go? I believe it is good and right to have a support system in place, but this psalm and scriptures over and over again are telling us we need to look further than that. Because history and experience teach us, especially in light of the pandemic, that no safety plan, no insurance policy, no security system can keep you absolutely safe in this life. You can follow all the safety rules, friends. You can take every precaution. You can even exercise and eat well. And you want to know what? I'm going to let you in on a secret. Things can still go wrong. They can still go wrong. And that's why we desperately need to look to the one true and living God for our help. It was Ben Franklin who once said this, and you've probably heard this statement, God helps those who help themselves. Y'all ever heard that? And that's really been infused in our culture. We like that kind of Christianity. But the scriptures teach us something different. The scriptures teach us that God helps those who seek his help. There's a difference. God helps those who seek his help. I read a, a, a quote from a man named Samuel Cox that went like this. I, it, it was so simple but so profound. He says, none of us are safe until we take refuge in God. None of us are safe until we take refuge in God. You see, Psalm 121 is a psalm about trusting in God's providential care. It's about coming to a place where your assurance and my assurance is laid up in the Lord being our protector. So I'll ask you again, hey friend, do you need help this morning? If you need help this morning, this is a good day to come to church because this psalm is for those who need help. 
This is why we need to hide this psalm in our hearts because oftentimes as we're walking through this difficult life as pilgrims on our journey to the celestial city, we realize pretty quickly that we need help. And so there are three big truths this morning that I believe this psalm points us to in terms of God being our helper and him providentially caring for us. And I'm going to navigate it this way, and I'll just go ahead and start with the first point. The first big truth that the psalmist wants us to know is this, that the creator is our helper. Let's read it together. Let's look down at your Bibles. Y'all don't have to look at me or the screen if you don't want. If you have your Bibles, look down. Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2 say this, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Now, where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker and of heaven, excuse me, and of earth. So the first thing that the psalmist encourages us to do is this. Here's what he's encouraging us to do. He's saying, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that eventually you'll be going through something. And what happens when we're going through trials and troubles, we have the tendency to to look down or to look left or to look right or to look directly at our problem and it completely encompasses us, doesn't it? But he says, if you're a child of God, you need to shift your gaze this morning. You need to lift your eyes toward the mountains. Now the mountains in this verse is actually a part of an argument that the psalmist is posing here. You see, mountains are a symbol of strength and a symbol of stability. They're great in size, they're long-lasting, and they're unchanging. And the psalmist is trying to get us to do this. Look towards the mountain so that you can look past the mountain onto the one who created it. Because he is greater in strength. He is greater in stability. He is everlasting. He is immutable. Look to the mountains. You'll be looking in the right direction this morning if you look up towards the mountains. But the psalmist says, please, whatever you do, don't stop at the mountains. You have to look beyond the mountains. You see, as the traveler was traveling, the Jewish pilgrim was traveling on, to, uh, on through the Judean wilderness, the mountains. You see, Jerusalem is right over the Judean wilderness, so you have to walk through this very tough terrain, very mountain-esque, and you can't really see the temple. You can't really see the holy city. And so what the psalmist is trying to say is you have to keep looking that way because surely God's dwelling place is on the other side. So keep looking. Look to the mountain and let it fix your gaze on the one who made that mountain. Psalm 46.1 puts it this way, God is our refuge. In other words, God is our mountain and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Or Psalm 90 verse 2 where it says, before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world, you ready? From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We don't look this morning to the mountains for our strength, but the mountains get our eyes off of the trials and they lift our eyes up towards God where our help comes from. It comes from the creator. And this is really where he wants us to look to. 
He says, now, okay, now that you've shifted your gaze up to the mountain, you're looking in the right direction. But now the question is, is where will your help come from this morning? And he says, hey, quite emphatically, my help. I want you to notice, I'm going to stop there. He says, my help. This is my God, and he is my help. Can you say that this morning? He's my God, and he is my help. Just a side note. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He makes sure that we understand that the one who helps his people is the creator of all things. And this description of God as the maker of heaven and earth appears three times in the Psalms of Ascent. Some in the beginning and then one at the end. In Psalm 121 verse 2, we just read it, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 124, verse 8, he says, the psalmist, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 134, verse 3 says, may the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. So why does he, why does the psalmist do this? Why does the psalm of ascent point us to the maker of the heavens and the earth? Well, Psalm 121 and Psalm 124 want us to know that the source of our help is the creator, first and foremost. The source of our help is the creator. But Psalm 134, he wants us to know that the source of our blessing is the creator. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Let's just boil down to it. Everything we have comes from the creator. It's really reflective of Genesis 1-1. And this is why sometimes... We get too far ahead of ourselves, and sometimes we just need to go back to the beginning. Genesis 1-1, you probably have this verse memorized, but maybe you need to read it again this morning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created something out of nothing, and all that there is was created by God. Jeremiah 10, verse 12 he says it this way, he made the earth by his power, established the world by his wisdom, and spread out the heavens by his understanding. Man, I love that verse. In other words, church family, the maker of heaven and earth has unlimited power. He has unlimited wisdom. And he is unlimited in his understanding. Now, why, Pastor Arthur, are you telling us all this? Because the psalmist is trying to get us to this point, that God has all the resources we need and more to meet our need. We're talking about the creator. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got his world in his hands. And why is that important to note for believers? Because if he's got the whole world in his hands, that means he's got your little world in his hands. The creator is our helper. But what I love about God and how he's portrayed in the scripture is they don't just portray the creator as being transcendent and big. But they also portray God as eminent, being close and involved in his creation. 
God just running things and sustaining things, everything from him, through him, to him. Time and time again, Scripture is teaching this about God. And this really boils down to the doctrine of providence, God's providence. And I really believe that to understand the doctrine of God's providence in time of trouble is detrimental. Because it's in time of trouble, it's in times of trouble where we begin to question who God is. When we begin to question who's in control. When we begin to question how big he really is. Amen? The scripture says we have to understand what it means that God is provident. You see, Psalm 121 is a psalm of God's providential care for his people. He wants us to understand what that really means. And so the Westminster Confession of Faith, I really believe, gives us a beautiful and succinct description of God's providence. And I'm going to read it to you. I think it's also on the screen. Let's read it slowly together. God, the great creator of some things. No, no, that's not what it says, right? Of all things, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures. He governs it all, all the actions and things from the greatest even to the least by his most wise and holy care, his holy providence, according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable or unchanging counsel of his own will. So this is portraying God as being the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, the one who is in full control of all things. And why does God do it this way? And the Westminster Confession says, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, to the praise of the glory of his power, his justice, his goodness, and his mercy. What a difference it makes to know in the midst of our trial that the creator of the universe who upholds everything is our helper. How big is your problem today? How big is it? How big is your problem? Y'all don't have to say it out loud, but rhetorical. Think about it. How big is your problem today? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to compare it to the maker of the heavens and the earth. I think it's safe to say this morning, hey, God's got this. And more than him just getting this, he's got you. He's got you. I think some of the reason we just have a misunderstanding or ignorant to the doctrine of God's providence is because we've kind of adapted some secular vernacular. We say things like luck or chance or fate, and we, we make God small when we talk like that. Here's what Gerald Williamson writes. He says, because God controls the universe, chance is ruled out. And because it is God who controls the universe, fate is ruled out also. So here's what this means. We live neither in a world of chance or fate or luck. We don't believe that. And here's the good part. I don't believe you're here by mistake this morning. I do not believe that at all. I believe that in God's providence, he brought you here so that you can see where your help comes from. 
Friend, this is God's world. And God's providence simply means that nothing, I want you to hear me real good on this one. God's providence simply means that nothing can happen to you outside of God's will and providential care. There was a husband once that was leaving on a trip and he prayed with his wife before he left and he prayed like this. Dear Lord, please protect my wife and children while I'm gone. In Jesus' name, amen. And when, his, when the husband finished praying, his wife looked at him and said, hey, honey, who do you think protects us when you're here? <laughs> the creator. He's our helper. That's where our help comes from. The second big truth this psalm teaches us is that the God of Israel, God's chosen people, the God of Israel is also the protector of new covenant believers. Let's look at verses 3 through 6. He says, he will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel, oh, don't miss that, does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. This, these verses teach us that the God of Israel is also the God of new covenant believers. I think it's extremely important to note the name that is being used for God in this psalm. And it's the same name that is being used in all 15 psalms of ascent. And I want you to look down. Look at the name of God that is being used here in all caps. Capital L O. R-D. If you missed our uh, Names of God series, go back and listen to it. Dustin did an incredible job preaching about this. But this is God's covenant name. It is a name that speaks of God's covenant relationship with his people and his faithfulness or a song we learned last week, his loving kindness towards his people. And this is important to know because you're probably thinking, is the God of Israel our God? Is that covenant God our God? And the answer is, have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Because of the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago on that cross, the Bible says whoever believes in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that we will be grafted into the family of God. And now our Father who are in heaven is the Lord, the covenant God. So he's the God of Israel, and he's our God. The God of Israel is our protector. Praise be to God. I think the key word, though, if you look down at your Bibles, in these verses, if you didn't notice, is the word protector. Do you see that? Protector. And this word comes from the Hebrew word shamar, which simply means to watch over or to guard, or as it's being used here, to protect. If you didn't notice it when we were reading these verses, the word protector shows up six times in verses 3 to 8. Six times. I think he's trying to make a point here. What's the point, Pastor Arthur? The God of Israel is your protector. <laughs> he watches over you. He is your infinite and almighty and all-powerful bodyguard. So what does he protect us from? That's the question. Psalm 121, verse 3 says, he will not allow your foot to be slipped. First and foremost, God protects us from accidents. You're thinking, what, really? I'm accident prone. I can't be, Pastor Arthur. I'm clumsy. 
But here's what I mean by that. When you build your life on God and his word, when you build your life upon Jesus Christ, he says he places you where? On solid ground. As believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us over and over again that we have a firm foundation for our feet and for our life. Psalm 37 puts it this way, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not ultimately fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. There are no accidents for those who put their faith in Christ. Everything that happens in your life takes place under God's providential care. Now, I love verses 3b and 4. He says, your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel, which is our protector now in Christ Jesus, does not slumber or sleep. I love those verses. Because this is in contrast. These verses are in contrast to the pagan gods we meet in Scripture. For example, 1 Kings 18, when the prophets of Baal, hundreds of them, they were, they were trying to call out to their God, and Elijah's like, yeah, let's, let's go toe-to-toe on this one. You call on your God, I'll call on my God, let's see what happens. Well, you, you probably know the story. The God of Baal didn't answer. And here's how Elijah responded. He teased them a little bit. So be careful, Christians, don't take that as something to do. But he says, shout louder. Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. You ready? Then he really hits him in the gut. Maybe your God is sleeping and must be awakened. Man, that was, that was low. That was low, Elijah. Come on. That was low. But the implication here is if your God is sleeping when you need him, then you don't have much of a God, do you? Right? But our God is always awake. He never falls asleep on the watch. Now, I'll tell you this. I did valet for a few years. So tip well, guys, when you go to hotels. But I worked in valet for a few years. And a a few times a month, I would get scheduled to work the overnight shift. Not my favorite. But inevitably, around 3 o'clock in the morning, I always dozed off. And I always ended up kind of taking a cat nap. But here's the reality about what this psalm is teaching us. Our God, he never dozes or nods off. He never, ever gets distracted. And that's why in the New Testament, he continually encourages believers, hey, believers, pray at all times. Pray without ceasing. 24 hours a day, I'll be here to hear you, and more importantly, I will be here to answer you. Praise be to God. Man, thank you, Lord. Because our God never slumbers or sleeps, here's what the psalmist is trying to get, trying to, get to here. He, he says, because our God doesn't slumber or sleep, he says, you can. Because God is awake, hey, I'm going to let you know, friend, I don't know where you're at with your troubles, but he says, because God is alive and awake, tonight you can go to sleep. It's like a child who can't sleep until their parent promises to stay by their bedside. And this happens often in our house, right, Jess? 
Where our children will have a bad nightmare or they're not feeling too well and they hop in the bed and they will not go to sleep until they see daddy watching over them. And it's the same way with God. It doesn't matter what your trial is this morning. You can leave it in God's hands. And you can go to sleep at night knowing that God never slumbers. He never sleeps. And he will take care of your business. And even more than taking care of your business, I'm going to say this again. He will take care of you. He will take care of you. Psalm 4.8, one of my favorite psalms. This psalmist, he got it. He understood this. Here's what he says. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. Psalmist, how can you have this peace and, and lie down and go to sleep at night? This is why he could sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. <laughs> I can go to sleep tonight knowing that our God is awake and fighting for me. The other thing the psalmist teaches us about his protection is that he is a shelter, he says in verse 5, right by your side. He's a shelter right by your side. Listen, the mountains might be off in the distance, but a, our God, he is a shelter right by your side. He's not far off. Although he's transcendent, friend, best believe that he is imminent right there by your side. David wrote this in Psalm 16, 8. I love his confidence in his God. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. You ready? Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. God told Jacob in Genesis 28, verse 15, he says, I am with you and will watch over you. I will protect you wherever you go. And then in the New Testament, when the angel appeared to Joseph and he said, hey, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name what? Emmanuel. God with us. You see, Jesus Christ had to come, be born of a virgin, incarnate, live a life we couldn't live, die, and, and ra ra be raised again on the third day so that he would be with us for those who trust in him by faith. That he would be with us, not just right now, but that he would be our God and we might be his children for all eternity. God made a way to be with us forever. You see, the psalm leaves no room, no room for us to doubt his protection. Look at verse 6. He says, the sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. As travelers were making their way to the feast to Jerusalem, there would have been a lot of dangers, a lot of toils, a lot of snares. Sunstroke was a real danger during the day, and there were often extreme changes of temperature between day and night. Of course, there were bandits. Of course, there were animals. And so here's what God says. He says, the sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. Now, here's something we have to understand about how this is written. The Hebrew language often uses pairs of opposite words to signify totality. It's a, it's a little thing called merism, M-E-R-I-S-M. -E and so what he's trying to get to is this. God will protect us during the day. He'll protect us at night. And he'll protect you in between those times. He will protect your journey on the way to the celestial city. There is not a time as a Christian that we can doubt whether or not that God is right by our side protecting us. 
I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that as I was studying the Word of God this week. Because the reality, can we just be real, just you and me this morning? Sometimes we don't feel that way, do we? Sometimes we feel like, yeah, he was with us back then, and, but I don't feel him right now. But if you've trusted in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, the reality is, is he is with you. He never takes time off to protect you. He is always fighting for you. And so this is exactly where the psalmist wants us to get to in verse 7. In verse 7, man, I don't know. I had a problem this week believing verse 7. I'm just going to be frank with you. I had to ask God to give me faith in this passage. Verse 7 says, the Lord will protect you from all harm. All harm, God? Really? And some of you are already writing this this first off because you're like, I've been through harm though. So we have to try to understand what that means biblically. You see, verses 1 through 6, we're all in the present tense, describing what God does for us right now. But verses 7 and 8, we're given promises for the future. Telling us what God will do for us in the future. So in these verses, the psalmist moves from giving specific examples to one overriding general principle. You ready? The Lord will keep you from all harm. Another word for harm here in this verse is evil. You remember how Jesus taught us to pray? Lord, lead me not into what? But deliver us from God does not say in the Bible that you will never have trials. What he promises to us is that he will deliver us from these harm, from the harm, excuse me, of these troubles. But a lot of this is based on the future. Here's what he says in John 16. Here's the truth about the Christian life. Here's the truth about what we'll face tomorrow, Monday morning. John 16, 33, he said, I have said these things to, to you that in me you may have peace. I find it interesting that he says, I've said this to you so you can have peace. And then he goes into this. In the world, you will have tribulation. You ready, Christians? But take heart, I've overcome the world. Uh, Y'all didn't hear it. <laughs> There's going to be troubles. They're coming. Like when we leave church, it's going to happen. You might get that phone call. But he wants you to know where your future and your hope is laid up. He says, hey, friend, I've overcome the world. Our hope is not in this life. Our hope is laid up in heaven. And verse 7 is a promise laid up for us, not only here on earth, but ultimately and assuredly in heaven. Y'all know this verse in Jeremiah, right? And a lot of us like to quote this Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, not for heart to give you a future and a hope. I don't know if you read the rest of the story, but these guys went into captivity right after he read this. <laughs> if you haven't read it in a while, go back. That's the reality of what took place. Captivity awaited the Israelites, much like us pilgrims passing through this life. 
But the promise of welfare, the promise of a future, and the promise of hope to the Israelites was pending, as is with us new covenant believers in Christ, until we finally meet Jesus Christ face to face in glory. And finally, we will find our eternal protection under the shadow of his eternal wings. There's a whole string of beautiful promises laid up for us in heaven. And some of us, we misuse these verses and only relate to them in this earth. And we're doing ourselves a huge disservice. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Hey, friends, things might not be going good for you, but one day they will go good for you if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.31, what then shall we say in response if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, it doesn't feel like it right now, but for all eternity, God is going to be for you. Romans 8.37-39, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, I feel like this is a rap song, neither the present nor the future nor any powers... Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us ultimately and finally from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the truth that is laid up for the believer in heaven. Once again, these verses don't teach us that you will never have trials or trouble in your life, but rather that evil will not win out. These verses teach us this morning that nothing, absolutely nothing, can thwart God's ultimate purpose for your life. And Scripture is communicating to us that nothing on this earth, nothing will be able to separate the believer from the love of God in Christ Jesus. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We claim that promise when we see our God face to face. God is for you. God is for you, believer. God is for you. And therefore, no evil and no permanent harm can befall you in Christ. You can look death in the face today, and I think of so many who have passed just in these last few months who were believers in Christ. We can look death in the face and we can say, oh, death, where's your victory? Hey, hey, oh, death, where's your sting? I love what Paul says in verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's in light of death. (laughs) Y'all get that right? It's in light of death. Much like Job, we have to know that no ultimate harm can befall you, my dear brother and sister in Christ, under God's sovereign and providential care for you. He will protect you. You're coming and you're going. Every single thing in between. And I think some of us, some of us have a hard time in the transitions of life. I feel like it's usually the transitions of our lives that trip us up. 
Once we're safe in our routines, things usually go pretty smoothly. But it's in the in-between times, the commute, the move, the change of jobs, the change of health, the change of relationships. It's in the in-between times that we usually begin to doubt and struggle where our help comes from. But Deuteronomy 28 verse 6 says, you will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Psalm 139, David prayed, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. And this is just another form of mirrorism. He's saying, he's got you. He had you in the, in the other season of life that you just got out of, the one that you're in right now, and the one that is to come. He's got it all. But I love that he ends with this, and I end with this. Not only does he protect your coming and your going, that means everything in between, but he also protects you now and forever. So if somebody asked you, hey, do you want God to protect you now or forever, which one would you choose? I want to just, let's get a survey in the room because I'm about to close out. If God asked you, you want me to protect you now or forever, what would y'all say? Can I let you in on a secret? We can claim both of them. That's what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying he protects you, amen, forever. But guess what? He's protecting you right now. But ultimately, he will not only be with us right now, but Jesus promises that he will be with us to the very end of the age. And so here's my question to you this morning. Maybe you came in here seeking help. You didn't know where to turn. You didn't know where to go. You're at the end of your rope, and you came in here because you were looking for the answer. You were looking for help. My dear brother, I want to implore you on behalf of God, be reconciled to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. This morning, if you want to go home, you might be going through it right now, but if you want to go home and lay on your bed and have peace, it's only going to go and come through faith in Jesus Christ. It's only going to come when you say, God, I realize that you're the, you're the Lord. I realize that you're the maker and sustainer of all things. It's when you're like the psalmist in Psalm verse 8 when you say, I can sleep tonight because I know who's keeping me safe. But have you trusted in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior tonight? Have you repented of your sins and believed on his life, on his death, and on the resurrection? If you want the peace that surpasses all understanding, it's only found in Jesus. So in just a second, I'm going to pray. And if you want to come up here and pray with Pastor Dustin, he'll be up here in the front or myself. This is the biggest decision you have to make today. This is a matter of eternity. You're not promised tomorrow, but you can rest easy today that you're in the hands of a sovereign and providential God. And Christian, I'm going to talk to you just for a second before I close. Maybe you've doubted God. Maybe you're in a season where you just, your head is so droopy because you're so tired and you're so hurt. Can I encourage you this morning? 
lift your eyes up to the mountains. Where will your help come from, you ask? Your help will come from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let us pray. Right now, I just want to pray for those who don't know you, Jesus. If there's someone in this place right now, and I'm I'm going to challenge you to not only raise your hand, but if you've never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I just want you to come right down here to the front, and Pastor Dustin is going to be here, and he can pray with you. If you have never trusted the covenant God to be your father, this morning I just want to challenge you. I know this is hard, and sometimes it can can be, you have this feeling of being anxious or, or worried of what's going to happen next, but know that the Lord will protect your coming and your going. But this morning, you got to take that next step. You just come on down and say, God, I repent of my sins. I acknowledge, Lord, that you lived a life I could never live. God, that you sent Jesus to, to be the payment for sin, which was death. And on that cross, when that blood was shed, it was shed for the forgiveness of my sins. Lord, I believe that you resurrected on the third day and, and you're very much alive, confirming who you were and what you did. And I believe, God, that you're coming back one day to ransom me on to glory. Lord, thank you, Lord, for working in the hearts of your people this morning. Lord, I pray that they would find comfort in this covenant, God, that they would find comfort in Christ, knowing, Lord, that we might not find all the answers here. But for those who are beloved children of God, God will finally answer once and for all in death. We have a hope for our future. God will prosper us in our future. And that's laid up in our eternal inheritance. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Give us hope this morning. Strengthen our faith. I pray, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Pastor Dustin Janney. Thank you so much for joining us online for worship today. If something spoke to you from the message or if you have a question about it, we'd love for you to share that with us. Just comment below or send us a message. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. We believe there is no more important decision you could make. We'd love to connect with you and help you take your next steps in following Jesus. Again, thank you so much for joining us online today. We hope to see you soon.